Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, unfortunately, we're here today to talk about the end of the Packers 2021 season, a walk-off 13-10 home loss to the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Divisional Round. And I don't know where you want to start with this, and this show truly is unscripted, but all I will say to start is that for a franchise that has had a number of devastating playoff exits, this one was in another fashion, and it just gets added to the list. Yeah, uh, the whole weekend was kind of wild with how these games ended between this game, between what happened with Kansas City and Buffalo, um, All even, four divisional round games coming down to the final yeah. play of the game, being decided on the final snap of the game, which has never happened before on a divisional playoff weekend. But, yes, it was certainly historic in that I, regard. I said it was going to be a good weekend, Mike, yeah. but un- unfortunately uh, that was strictly from the viewer's standpoint. It wasn't strictly from a Packer fan standpoint. Yeah, disappointing game. Uh, as I mentioned in our show on Thursday, I was like I was kind of pushing for the Packers to win because I, I really didn't watch much of the football games on Sunday. I ended up – clicking in and watching the final two minutes of both games in the regulation, our colleague Ryan Hartwig was the one that was alerting me just the craziness that was going on. But I think as a lot of guys said during locker room clean out on Monday, they really didn't feel like watching it. And, yeah. and I don't blame them. I mean, it's, it's a tough way to go out. And, and certainly, as you mentioned, we've covered a lot of these uh, from 2011 uh, and the loss to the giants after the 15 and one season to what happened in 12 and 13 with the, 49ers and you know don't even get into 2014-15 with uh, Seattle but it's a difficult thing because defensively this is the best defense the Green Bay Packers have really had in at least seven years you can maybe even make an argument for before that and the defense came to play they allowed six points um, with the yep. exception of really that final drive gave them a chance to win. And only three points for 59 minutes and 56 yeah. seconds or whatever it was, right? So. And offensively, they come out clicking. They come out looking strong. Um, even that second series, they're moving the ball, and then there's the fumble. Um, it was funny. My friend Scott uh, was talking to me before the game because I was asking about Fred War- Not asking, but we were talking about Fred Warner. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Warner a, is a problem. And there was the questions of what his health was going to be like. And he's like, ah, he hasn't really made any plays this year. He made a couple big ones in this game. And then certainly the special teams was a, a disappointment. So at the end of the day, Mike, uh, the Packers had countless opportunities to win this game. They did not get it done. And uh, it is going to be a, a long um, thoughtful offseason here as Green Bay sort of tries to regroup for this next step. Yeah, and that's certainly what we heard from the players who spoke to the media via Zoom on Monday, and then also from the head coach who spoke uh, who spoke late on Monday afternoon. You can you can feel the the disappoint. There's there's disappointment. There's shock. There's dismay. Um, and, and to say shock, that's not to say that anybody was taking anything for granted, but. The Packers just, but the Packers yeah. believed in who they were. They believed they were the better team, and and uh, and quite frankly, you know, as as that game unfolded on on Saturday night, the way the defense was playing, with the offense scoring a touchdown on the opening drive and moving the ball in the second drive before the fumble, you just felt like the the Packers were going to be in command of this thing. They were going to control it, right? But yet, it never, 
you know, the blocked field goal at the end of the first half makes it still just seven to nothing. The Packers never even made it a two-score game. It was it was seven to nothing, then seven to three, then they have a chance to make it a two-score game. You get goal to go, right? But then a false start kind of messes up. I, I think I think the Packers wanted to try to pound Aaron Jones there from the five-yard line, but you get the false start. You're pushed back to the 10. You have to throw. You don't get it. You end up kicking a field goal. Still a one-score game, 10 to three. Um, the, uh, the Packers had numerous, numerous opportunities. And as much as it felt like they should have had control of the game early, it still comes down to you have to be, as we talked about on this show and in final thoughts and everything else, you still, in these games, you have to be the better team in the fourth quarter. You have to be the better team at crunch time yep. in order to win playoff games. And, uh, and you know, crunch time was uh, the final drive was really when, uh, when the defense had, I guess I would say it's only real hiccup because certainly getting a fourth and one stop with six minutes to go at the 20-yard line that's a huge, huge play right there. Yep. That is the defense rising up and, uh, and making something happen. But then the offense faltered. The special teams faltered with the block punt. The offense faltered again. And, uh, and uh, the defense gave up just enough yards for Robbie Gold to, uh, to have a, a makeable field goal in what turned into a little bit of a snow globe game there in the second half. The snow was falling. The wind chills were dropping. But uh, the 45-yarder from uh, from one of the best cold-weather kickers to do it was true, and uh, and that was all she wrote. Such an idiotic move by the Chicago Bears to cut that guy. Isn't that amazing? Um, what a what a find he's been, and he's in his sixth year now, I think, with San Francisco. Um, and gold, dude, as soon as gold came out, I I'm not saying I was completely like, ah, oh, this is pretty much over, but. I mean, I, I've said it for a long time. I think him and Mason don't get enough credit for what they've accomplished in their careers. And certainly Robbie's gone out to, to San Francisco in a warmer climate and still performed really well. But I certainly wasn't thinking he was going to miss. I, I was, you know, He's just so clutch. Un unless there yeah. was, a, you know, a, a major gust of wind suddenly that was going to misdirect that, that football. But uh, um, this is not Soldier Field yeah. where, where the winds can get really crazy. So that wasn't in the cards. No, and, and I, I have a hard time putting this on the defense still because ultimately oh, yeah. I know they're disappointed and, and certainly Samuel gets that nine yard run and, and that kind of put him for sure in, in kicking range but the fact of the matter is the defense rarely ruptured in this game I'm trying to think if they even had a play over 20 yards offensively for San Francisco 18 yards throughout the course of this game it was close I think Kittle might have had one right yeah bef before the before the fourth and one stop Kittle had I believe a 24 yard yeah. catch and run uh that was actually on a third and 11 it was really one of the only third and long um until the Samuel run at the end the only real third and long breakdown the yeah. Packers defense had um, Kittle had about a 24-yard reception, but then the next series is the one that ended with the fourth and one stop, and the defense got the ball back uh, to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and defensively, I just I was so impressed by it. You know, Rashawn Gary was just the man amongst boys out there. Zadarius Smith comes out. He only played 19 snaps, but gets a sack on his first play. I thought Joe Barry showed a lot of creativity with the packages. Matt Lafleur said he challenged him to come up with some different looks that San Francisco hasn't seen before. He definitely did that. Um, but but ultimately, after that fourth and one stop, you have to be able to move the ball. Yep. And, uh, you know, yep. unfortunately for Green Bay, I, I think one thing we learned uh, in this game was just how important A.J. Dillon is to this offense and how important he's going to be moving forward. And that's not a discredit to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had, what, 170 total yards in this game. I mean, right. really strong performance. But when they needed to pound the football, 
unfortunately, they, they lose Dylan to the fractured rib on the kickoff return, uh, and, and that kind of took away that dimension of their offense and, and certainly weren't able to push the ball downfield. I know the play a lot of fans are going to be talking about for a lot of, long time is that the third and 11, Rodgers tries the pass downfield to, to Adams in double coverage when it appears that Lazard's coming free over the middle. That's the game, and it's hindsight, and, yep. and that's the way these things roll sometimes. I still felt, you know, even though the offense kind of fell into some doldrums there, even though the defense, I honestly felt the whole time that as long as the Packers don't turn over this football, they're going to be okay. This is the type of game where I think they were playing good enough that they're going to be able to hold off the 49ers. The block punt happens. The block punt goes for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, the the, the block are. punt was the equivalent of a turnover. It doesn't yeah. go as a turnover in the statistics, but it was the same thing as a scoop and score or a yep. pick six. I mean, there's five minutes left in the game. The Packers are up by seven points, and yes, you would hope after the big fourth and one stop, you and I, I'm, you know, we we were sitting there, we're thinking the same thing. It's like, okay, no matter how many minutes you can kill or whatever, but at ten to three, you go down and get and kick a field goal, thirteen to three, a two score game, and it's over for all of the yep. offensive struggles. The offense just needed one drive in the fourth quarter, whether it was that one or after the uh, after the block punt, and. Uh, not only could the offense not put together a drive, it couldn't even get a first down. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what's so, so disappointing about the exit. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was on, you know, the face, the tone of voice of Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur after the game. The, uh, this is a darn good offense with really, really good offensive players. And when, uh, when they absolutely needed it and everyone expected it, it couldn't deliver. And, and that's, that's hard to swallow. That, that, that's tough to swallow when you're really good at what you do and you can't do it when it matters most. The competitors these guys are, that's, that's tough to take. And, uh, and, and they have, unfortunately, they're going to have a long time in the offseason to think about it. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest part with these things. Like I was thinking about as we walked into the studio, um, you know, it's January 25th at the time in which we're taping this, basically six months since the start of training camp. It's almost like that intermediate point where it's six months removed from the start of training camp. It's six months away from the start of training camp. Right. There's a lot of time in between there to have to, to ponder this. Um, certainly, you know, there were some great stories this year. And in the, in the coming days, you know, we'll have another one of these and we'll review some of that. But, you know, to have the Rasul Douglases step up, the Devondre Campbells, uh, to see a guy like Dennis Kelly uh, not play half the season and then be the right tackle against Nick Bosa in the most important game of the season. Th those, those things, I think, made this year feel a little bit different because certainly the Packers have probably had deeper teams if it definitely had healthier teams. But where they needed guys and veterans and young players alike to really respond, they did that. And you got Jair Alexander back for this game in a limited fashion. You got Sidarius back. Whitney Merciless had the freaking harness on playing in this game. It just felt like things were finally turning for Green Bay. But unfortunately, as we always realize with these things, it ends suddenly and – this is uh, the end of this journey, and as I kind of close our insider inbox with on Monday into Tuesday morning's edition, you just got to start the other, the next climb. As difficult as that is, yeah. that's the way this game works. Unfortunately, yeah. it's a best-of-one scenario, Mike. You <laughs> and I have talked about it so many times, and for how hard these teams have to work to get a playoff spot, to get a bye, to, to get that, it ultimately comes down to those 60 seconds, and in Green Bay's case, it didn't go in their favor. Yeah, Um to uh, review a few thoughts from Matt LaFleur on Monday when he gave his, uh, his, uh, conducted his season ending 
media session over Zoom. Obviously, he was asked about Aaron Rodgers and the future of Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur saying that he and the front office, um, everybody's on the same page and wanting Aaron Rodgers to come back. They are going to give him his give him his space to contemplate what he wants to do. Rodgers has talked about that retirement is possibly on the table, though he still says um, the competitive fire burns. He does want to continue playing. He doesn't want to be part of a rebuild if that's where Green Bay is headed. Matt LaFleur trying to reassure with his words that there for all of the contract and salary cap challenges, there is a plan. There is a plan that they don't have to blow this whole thing up, that they they feel they can still be a competitive team and keep things going in the right direction um, if uh, if they can um, if they can bring Aaron Rodgers back and if he wants to continue playing for Green Bay. Um, I don't think this is go based on what Rodgers has said. It doesn't sound like this is going to take long to sort out. Um, there, there's going to be an answer. We're not going to be wondering in the middle of July like last year uh, where things are headed with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, but right now it's sort of it's sort of like everything is on hold and it's just wait and uh, and find out what the presumptive. Um, back-to-back MVP quarterback is going to decide to do. To me, there, there's really two scenarios here that, in my mind, as far as how this thing should go. Um, if Rodgers decides, you know, upon some, some reflection and looking at things, that this is it, this is the time to go out, you know, could very well end up getting his fourth MVP here in a couple of weeks. If he wants to end, you know, at the peak of his position, I wouldn't blame him for that at all. But if he does want to play again, if he wants to come back for year 18, I still think it has to be here. We'll, we'll see what happens. I understand there's a lot of things with the contract and that and things they have to figure out, but I, I was watching those games over the weekend, Mike, and I understand how this history has gone and how things have, have been in the playoffs for Green Bay recently, but it's just – it's so I, I thought about – I watched Josh Allen with the Bills, right? Sure. And it's not about how Josh Allen plays the position or Aaron Rodgers plays the position. I thought about how many quarterbacks the Buffalo Bills had to go through between Jim Kelly and Josh Allen to yeah. get to that moment, right? Yeah. I thought about the, the issues that Kansas City went through for a lot of years. Kansas City wasn't always the team that's going to all these AFC championship games. There were a lot of years in between there where you had, you know, shoot, random quarterbacks just kind of ended up being the starter there for, for some time, and, and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't find their next guy. Uh, really, I guess, I, unless I'm forgetting somebody since, what, Joe Montana, Elvis Gerback was in there a little bit. The point I'm trying to illustrate is that it's difficult to find franchise quarterbacks, and if you feel like this team still wants to compete for a championship, which Matt LaFleur, that was probably the biggest thing that came out of his 43-minute presser, they're not rebuilding. They're not, that isn't where they're looking at right now. Realistically, probably what's going to have to happen, though, is he said difficult decisions will have to be made, yeah. and they're going to have to probably end up making some decisions at some veteran positions if they want to go with some of the younger guys that have been coming up. That was the one thing we learned about this season, Mike, because there's a lot of young guys on this roster, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, that stepped into bigger roles this year and really grabbed that opportunity uh, you know, by the horns and, and made the most of it. So. Well, and the reality of how it works in this league is younger is cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have a salary cap to deal with, if you have young players that you feel can step in and do the job, and they don't uh, they don't take up as much cap space. Those are that's what's called the difficult decisions yep. because it's not saying that that veteran guy who has the bigger contract that he can't play and that he can't help you. Um, it's it's making the decision based on all of the factors, right? Um, you know, all of all of the financial ramifications and what each decision relative to the salary cap means for all the other positions on the roster. It's this big puzzle that needs to be put together, and you know that this is. 
this is something they've been, you know, they're not talking about it publicly, but you know, they, they know the situation with the contracts, yep. the money they pushed out in order to keep this group, the most of the 2020 group together for 2021 in order to make this run at it. They knew exactly what they were doing, but they, but they didn't just do it. They didn't just do it and then say, okay, well, we'll deal with the rest of it later. They, they know there are things that are going to change over the course of how certain guys play and, and, and potentially injuries and how things play out. But they have a plan for what they're going to do with all of the, the contract situation, the financial ramifications. But as both of us have said, with Aaron Rodgers' situation and then with Devontae Adams and him having an expiring contract and, and being on the brink of unrestricted free agency, those are the first two dominoes here, um, the quarterback and the best wide receiver in the league. And whichever way those go is going to determine, you know. Now there are those who are saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to know what the other moves are. Well, as I said, they have a plan, and they will present that plan to yeah. him, I believe. Yeah. They, they will show him, this is what we plan to do if you are here. If Aaron Rodgers is not here, there may be a different plan then in terms of how they go about it. But uh, um, the first two decisions that have to be made and have to get settled are number 12 and number 17. Yeah, and those are, those are the biggest dominoes, the heaviest dominoes. And once those fall, I think the rest of the offseason sort of takes care of itself in that regard. The, the thing about the Rodgers scenario, there's going to be a lot of discussion about it in the days and weeks ahead. I've been saying this for a number of years now, and I want to make this abundantly clear because I've seen a lot of comparisons towards the end of the Favre era in 2007 and things of that nature. Rodgers pretty much has always been pretty transparent with what his intentions are. Even last year when there, there was those questions of whether or not he was coming back, I never really got the feeling of it was he was going to do that or he was going to be done. It just seemed like he probably was going to end up playing. It just mattered, you know, if they could make it work here, which they did. I, I don't feel like this is going to be a situation that really gets, you know, strung along, let alone to July, but I'm saying even the months ahead. I think the Packers will have a pretty clear idea. I think Rodgers is very clear-headed and focused on what he wants to do. Um, you got to give him his time. You got to let him sort it out. But I, I feel like – because the question kept getting asked, of, well, you know, developing your plan for the offseason and those sort of things – They'll figure that out. Yeah. You know, th these There's next couple of weeks, they're going to look that. at what other NFL teams are doing. They're going to self-scout. They certainly have to figure out what the coaching staff situation is going to be, where all those things are. That's that's what the end of January into early February is about. Yeah, and, and Matt and Matt LaFleur did say he hadn't, as of Monday afternoon, he hadn't even gotten to the evaluation of the yeah. coaching staff. It's for, for, those, for those who don't understand, it's a very methodical process that every head coach goes through at the end of every season where they, he meets with all of his individual coaches. There's an evaluation process step-by-step. Step, they go through everything, and then decisions are made. So um, for those who are wondering what might be happening with the coaching staff, whether, whether it's in regard to special teams or if Nathaniel Hackett moves on, he's a finalist for the Denver Broncos yeah. coaching job, and then that could um, lead to some changes, obviously, here in Green Bay, but Matt Lafleur said that process has has not even really begun yet because uh, um, because the players were still just cleaning out their lockers. Yep. So it's wait and see in that regard. Yeah, and they you know it's a typical thing as he even mentioned on Monday. It was a lot of exit interviews, a lot of discussions. It's where the discussion came with Rogers. It's where the discussion came with Adams as well. I think everybody understands what's at stake here and where they're going to try to line this thing up for the future. And that's not even, just to clear this up too, that's not even necessarily an indictment on Jordan Love. I, I, the point I was just trying to illustrate with what I was saying is that you don't want to wish away your franchise quarterback. Right. 
and because there's just no guarantee what it's going to be on the other side of it. I, I still think, in my opinion, Rodgers comes back. I still think that's a great scenario for Love to get another year of seasoning, just like Rodgers did getting the third year behind Brett Favre. All those things have to figure them, you know, have to be determined. But again, I, I think once the calendar flips towards March and we get closer to the new league year, I think everybody will have a pretty clear vision of what's ahead for the Packers and what challenges they're going to have to overcome to, to put together this 2022 roster. Yeah. Well, a shout out to our sponsors here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, before we go, I know you said you didn't watch too much of it, but you did catch the endings. Um, just those Sunday games, uh, Rams and, I mean, two two down-to-the-wire thrilling games that unfolded completely yeah. differently, right? I mean, the Rams the Rams have a 24-point lead on Tampa Bay, and, uh, and then they start fumbling the football all over the place, and the Buccaneers end up getting the score tied, and then um, Matthew Stafford pulls a, pulls a Cooper Cup out of his hat and, uh, and hits uh, the all-pro receiver on back-to-back plays, and they get in position for a walk-off field goal. And then the last two minutes at Arrowhead Stadium between the, the, the gunslinger duel, whatever you want to call it, between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, absolutely stunning. And for, uh, for as much as, for as much, you know, I, I'm not just trying to say misery likes company, but for as much as Packer Nation is hurting after a loss like that one to San Francisco, the Buffalo Bills scored the go-ahead touchdown with 13 seconds left, yep. Wes. And... They had to defend. They, they gave up 44 yards in two plays that took 10 seconds with the timeouts, and then the field goal tied the game and sent it to overtime. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. I saw I saw one I saw one uh, tweet that uh, Patrick Mahomes drove the Chiefs 44 yards and kicked a field goal in less time than it took Dak Prescott to run a quarterback draw and stop the clock. Seriously. <laughs> And that's just, that's just true. It's crazy to think about, but he pulled it off, and somehow the Buffalo Bills scoring a go-ahead touchdown in a playoff game with 13 seconds left couldn't win the game. Yeah, and Buffalo, I mean, for them not to squib that kick uh, with 13 seconds left to kick in the end zone, I, I don't know what the plan was there, um, especially with the timeouts that Kansas City had. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Man, I'll tell you what, the Packers, I know – you're always going to favor your team because that's the one you watch the most, right? Yeah. That's where fans talk about the them having their hearts ripped out. There, there might not have been a team that deserved to be in the Super Bowl more than the Bills this year, just because of, for lack of a better term, they have circled the wagons, so to speak, when it's come <laughs> to, to making it to the Super Bowl, and they just haven't been able to make that step. And Mahomes has been really the big, you know, obstacle to making that happen. I mean, the single. The single best player in all of the NFL postseason thus far is not playing for a conference championship, Why? and that's Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen has been an absolute mega star in this postseason, and yet, uh, yet his team is his team is home, just like uh, you know, twenty-seven other teams. Yeah, and and uh, you know, you give credit to Mahomes. You got to give. Credit to Harrison Buckner too to be able to make that kick. That's a big kick. Oh, that's to, big. That's a big time a, kick. I mean, outdoors on grass. Not. I mean, 
Kansas City was not Lambeau Field in terms of no. conditions, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't sunny Florida either. No, and and for it really did feel like that was probably the most important coin toss in terms of the <laughs> overtime, as I can remember, because I don't think either team is probably stopping the other one. No, those de- those both of those defenses, the tanks were empty. No. There was there's no yeah. question about it. Neither neither one of those defenses had anything left. And. For the Rams, you feel good for Matthew Stafford. Uh, I've said that for a long time. I think Stafford went about it in the right way in Detroit. I think he you know, kind of had some, some mud thrown over his legacy there just because of some of the, the talent, you know, dearth of talent that they had for a number of seasons. It's good to see him be able to make a big playoff, you know, push at the end. Cooper Cup is exceptional. Yeah, you have you have to give you have to give Stafford credit. You tip your cap to Stafford because he came into this. He was brought to the Rams you know, in, in this, you know, complete all-in sellout move by yep. the Rams and how they built their roster, right, to go win a Super Bowl. And he's a quarterback who hadn't won a playoff game. There's a lot of pressure on him. He got his first playoff win. The Arizona Cardinals had a god-awful performance. Yep. But Matthew Stafford gets his first playoff win. And it felt to me, Wes, watching from, from uh, Matthew Stafford a playoffs pass to that game in Tampa Bay on Sunday, suddenly with one playoff win under his belt, Matthew Stafford was in his element yeah. in the postseason. He was there. And for as badly as that looked for the uh, Rams to blow that lead, it was all of Matthew Stafford's teammates that were making all the yes. mistakes. He wasn't making he wasn't the one making the mistakes and giving the ball away. His teammates were that game that game was uh, was almost handed to the Buccaneers, but then when the chips were down, Matthew Stafford came through. And, uh, and got a, a, a slightly injured kicker who came up short from 47 yards, got him close enough to be yeah. able to make that game-winning kick in a walk-off scenario. Yeah, Matthew Gay has been so good for them this year, too. Uh, I think he's a pro bowler, if I remember correctly. I mean, he really has been strong, but then dealing with some of these issues. Here's what's interesting, Mike, because now you got either San Francisco or the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Right. Either the Rams are going to kind of fulfill this prophecy that they've sort of had here with Sean McVay and getting back uh, to that game, or I think officially you put San Francisco right in that category with Green Bay from 2010 as far as a team that got fire, got caught on fire late in the season, yep. won difficult games in difficult circumstances to be able to advance, knocked off a number one seed. Both of those stories are great. On the other side of the conference, you have the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, who look like they're going to probably be one of the more exciting teams for years to come. Very interested to see if they can win the games necessary to get a Super Bowl, just based on the way they play. It's... I mean, they're flying by the seat of their pants a little bit, but they're incredibly talented, have great offensive weapons. And then the other one is the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which is the dynasty that has really sort of emerged here in this league. And Patrick Mahomes at 25, 26 years old, uh, him really carrying this team on its back, them having early season adversity and now making another championship run. I don't know how much of the rest of the playoffs I'll be watching, but it does set up really well for uh, some entertaining football here down the stretch. Yeah, it should be pretty exciting, and uh, and yeah, I mean the the uh, um, the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals going into going into Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, they just won a big road game in Nashville, obviously, but from an environment standpoint, Nashville is not Arrowhead. I mean, uh, um, Joe Burrow is walking into a into a completely different situation, and Josh Allen answered the bell. Um, now we'll see if uh, we'll see if Joe Burrow can, even though Josh Allen came up short, but no fault of his own no. by any stretch there. So, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to continue to follow all of our coverage of the team. We'll have everything for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>